0: Why don't you take your copy of the revelation of God that you brought today and turn to the gospel according to Matthew, a gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at a couple of things in it today, of course. We are up in our reading in the gospels. We're on uh, chapter 2. You just follow along with each day of the month. We will spend the next, uh, what, up 28 chapters in the gospel of Matthew. Then we'll read a few chapters in the letters of John that he wrote to uh, the church, the last two letters, single, single chapter letters, and then we're going to jump off in the book of Isaiah, the Older Testament prophetic big book of Isaiah. And we'll just let the Lord lead when we get in the next month as far as how we'll do that. What we may do is read for 30 days and then jump into another book and then come back to the book of Isaiah again. And uh because Isaiah's going going to take up quite a bit that's sixty six chapters, so we uh, we may just continue on with it i mean I, I I can, and uh wouldn't mind at all doing that, but we'll just let the Lord guide us on those things you know as we we say all the time is that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps, and we're grateful for that. We want to be diligent in our plans. We want to be sharp and focused and precise in what we are planning as as diligent servants of the Lord. But we want to give that over to the sovereignty of God and say, God, you're going to work out what's best for us. We trust you with that. And we believe you're more than able to bring that to pass. Matthew, turn to Matthew chapter 9. Go to Matthew chapter 9 first. Let's start there. And we will look in Mark's Gospel. We may jump over the Luke's as well. and we want to look at Matthew, the author who was inspired of the Spirit of God, to write this account of the witness and the works and the wonders of Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's taken this personal account of when he walked with Jesus. Now, Matthew comes in a little bit later. We're up to chapter 9 here, when Jesus called him out. Now, his name was Levi, Levi. And we'll see that in a couple places in our text this morning. In Matthew chapter number 9, in verse number 9, where he says they were in Galilee near Capernaum, it says, then Jesus passed on from there and he saw a man named, that word named there is actually the word lego or lego which means called, he was called, it wasn't his A proper name he was called Matthew and I think the calling of him Matthew not only went with his role as a Roman tax collector because that's what he was a publican he was a tax collector but it also has and we're going to see some highlights out of this passage something that I believe one of the reasons why we find from here on out even in the other Gospels, like when Luke makes reference to him and when Matthew makes reference to him from this point on. Now when they refer to him in this context, when Jesus called him, they give him his proper name, him whose name was Levi. But from that point on, they refer to him as Matthew. Now Matthew refers to himself as Matthew in here. That name simply means a gift. A gift from Jehovah, a gift from God, a reward from God. And I think it plays into what God did in his life, what Jesus did for him. And as a result of something that was said in this passage, goes right along with the context of what his name means being a gift from God. So it says, verse 9 of chapter 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and he followed Jesus. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, notice, they said, they didn't ask, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And all God's people said? Father, we ask you to help us with this today as we dive into this record you've given us of yourself. We pray that you help us over the next uh, hour to the next day and the following days ahead as we dive into this great Word that we get to see you at work, our Messiah, the King of the Jews, the King of the believer. And we just ask you to teach us that you will show us many wondrous things that we can be a blessing to the brethren and that we can be a blessing to uh, the, the others. Uh, tax collectors and publicans and sinners and harlots and those that are uh, abroad that have no idea who you are, but that you burden our heart to bring your message to them. I ask you to help us and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's, let's take the three different witnesses of the Gospels and just take a peek at them. Go to the Luke Chapter number 5, Luke chapter number 5, and then we'll make our way back to Mark and then Matthew. Luke 5, look if you would in about verse number 27. Verse 27 says, After these things he, Jesus, went out, and when he went out he saw a publican, a tax collector, name. now that word name means a proper name. This was his proper name name Levi he was sitting at the tax office and he Jesus said to him follow me verse 28 so what did he do he left all and all God's people said now that's going to be significant he left all because this tax collector Levi was a wealthy man had the potential for a lot greater wealth in the future. He was willing to forsake all that and abandon that to answer that call that Jesus issued him to follow. Scripture says that he left all, he rose up, and he followed Jesus. Verse 29, then Levi gave him, Jesus, he gave him a great feast. Not anybody can give somebody a great feast. You had to have money to give a great feast. And all guys people said, Amen. you can't just throw on a big party if you don't have the funds to throw the party on. Now, Levi gave him a feast, but you gotta keep in mind now he's gonna tell us who Levi invited to the feast. Levi invited those that he knew. This is all that he knew. This is all the people he'd been exposed to. Then Levi gave him a great feast, whereat? In his own house. And there was a great number of publicans or other tax collectors, his, his peers, those that he worked among, and others who sat down with them, and the scribes, their scribes and the Pharisees, they complained against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are what? Now remember, Matthew's gospel told him, told, Jesus told them to go learn this, that he desires mercy, but not sacrifice. Luke's gospel did not bring that up. Matthew does. Verse 32 says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Aren't you glad God grants us repentance? Amen. Now... Who is this audience? Well, let's go look at it over in Mark's gospel. Mark chapter number 2. Mark chapter number 2. This is the neat thing about reading the gospels. We've got four accounts. Three of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, run just about parallel with one another. And they all have a message. They all have an audience. Look in chapter 2 and verse number 13. Scripture says, Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitudes came to him, and he taught them. And he passed by, and he saw who? Who did he see? Levi. Levi, now he's fixing to tell us who Levi's father is. So it's bringing us back to that idea again of his proper name. His name was Levi. The word Levi means joined, joined. He comes to the son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and he followed him. Now Luke's gospel said he left all and did what? Followed him. Mark doesn't say that, but Luke does. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples for there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and the sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it? that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Notice again, in Mark's gospel, he doesn't bring up that Old Testament quote out of the book of Hosea, that I desire mercy and not Sacrifice, that was an Old Testament quote that he told him to go learn about. So here's a picture. This guy, this tax collector, his name was Levi. He was the son of Alphaeus. He was a wealthy man. He was a man not appreciated by your average Jew. Why? Because tax collectors, who did they work for? They worked for the government. They worked for not only any government, they worked for Rome. And Rome was the dominant power at that time. And they took levies upon people. And he had an office of traffic that people, when they were buying and selling and doing whatever they needed to do, this office that he had or this position that he had taken up as a Jew who's actually working for the Romans, he had the ability to exercise some liberty in his office. Meaning this, he was required, he had a quota from what we learn about some of this from some historical references tell us that these publicans, these tax collectors had a quota. And that quota had to be met for him to keep his job. That meant that he had to have so much money turned in for taxes that he gave back to the Roman Empire for taxes. Now, it didn't limit him in collecting more than his quota. He could actually collect more and he could keep the the, the excess Off of that. And that's what a lot of these tax collectors did. They would turn in their quota and nobody knew, say in in Capernaum or Galilee, nobody knew what the quota was except the individual tax collector. So that meant he had the potential to gouge people. And nobody likes to be gouged. Are you with me? None of us. Really, really find great delight in paying taxes to begin with. Are you you with me? How many of y'all buy some large ticket items, got to pay taxes on it? And those taxes eat you. And they eat you. Now the scriptures teach us that there's a reason for taxes. Romans talks about it. Romans chapter number 13 says there's a reason. There's ordained by God. So we understand that. But what we find with this is that these Jews looked at these publican or these tax collectors as an enemy because they were working not alone, joined in with the Roman Empire, taking these levies or these taxes from their people, but then they could charge a higher tax and they could keep the profits and therefore that's how they built their wealth. That's why he could throw a big feast or a big party in his house. Now, the Scripture says there was many people there, so that meant Levi had what? Big house. He had to have a big old house. Oh, Levi sat high on the hog. Are you with me? He ate good. He fed good. He lived well. He fared sumptuously every day. He was not uh, the object of the eye of the apple of the eye the people of, of God. They just didn't like Him. How many of y'all like it when the tax collector comes and sees you? They make you nervous, don't they? And all guys people said? Amen. Why? Because how many of y'all understand the tax code? In and out. How many of y'all use somebody to do your taxes? Amen. Why? It's a complicated system, right? Yeah you got to get somebody else to help you out with it. And then when they help you out the whole time, you're praying that however they help you out, they help you out the right way, that they're not going to gouge you or they're not going to do the wrong thing and they fall back on you. Are you with me? Come on. So, look, we all, we all, it can be extremely complicated. Us in ministry, it's extremely complicated on how they do things, because they, not only do they see me as an employee, but they also see me as self-employed. So I, the, the way the breakdown of it is a lot different in how it all works, and I don't know how it works. Be honest with you. So, we entrust other people to help us with those things. Well, this is how it was for them. I don't know how complicated it was, but you had somebody who could take advantage of them, and it was obvious. Every time Levi would build an extension to his house, you know what everybody said. Uh I paid for that. He ripped me off for that. They didn't know how much he was turning into Rome. They just saw a man who was, what, gaining in wealth and prestige and the better he did for the Rome, the more support and the government hand he had working for him. All he had to do is, is get the, the centurions to do his work. He didn't have to do the dirty work. He just collected the taxes and people didn't pay. What did he do? He sent the law to them. And he could demand whatever he wanted. So this was a guy that wasn't liked by a lot of people. Not only that, now he throws this party... In his house and he invites a whole bunch of other people that didn't like the people that he invited. You know who probably was there when it refers to these sinners. These tax collectors did what they wanted, however they wanted. And they all got to a place where they lost some kind of sense of moral bearing. And a lot of people would tell you that more than likely what was there was they had a house full of not only publics and tax collectors, but they had a house full of prostitutes and harlots. Why? That's who they hung out with. Tax collectors had money. And that's where they stayed. So he had a house full. And when these religious folk looked in, these Pharisees and these scribes, they they didn't ask a question to know why. They made a statement. Not that why is he, but he is sitting and drinking and eating with sinners. And they had a problem with it, didn't they? Now you could understand, you, you more than likely would too have a problem with it in that day. Matter of fact, some people would still have a problem with it. But you know what Levi did, what Levi could do? He welcomed Jesus into his life and abandoned his, his work and the potential wealth that he would gain from all that to go follow him. And not only that, then he opened up his home to him. Now imagine in his home he had things in there that wouldn't have been suitable for an outstanding Jew. Are you with me? Come on. But he welcomed them in his home. He welcomed these other people. You know why he welcomed people in his home and why he invited a feast? I think he wanted I think he wanted Jesus to tell them what he told him. Amen Come on. and that's just what happens he He did what he could with what he had and he did it for the glory of God, and God blessed it. He opened up his house, he opened up his life, and now we see him some 30 years later doing what he could. Now a tax collector, just like any people in some kind of accounting business, had to keep a good record of the taxes collected and then the taxes sent to Rome. So Levi was a record keeper. Levi would chronicle an annual what went on and what he did from here. He was a bookkeeper. He had to do that as a tax collector. But you know what he's doing now? As he follows Jesus some 30 years later, after Jesus' resurrection, God comes on him and fills him up with his spirit and inspires him to write another record. And we're reading about that record. Amen in the Gospel of Matthew. Amen? Amen? You know what He did? He took what the man did for a living and used that to be a blessing to people like you and me today. Come on. He doesn't have to do that, but God does that. Amen? Amen. So we have to look at it, what, what is it that He's called me out of? What is it that He's called me from? What has He called me into? And what kind of gifts that He's equipped me to do that I know how to do that now I'm using to be a blessing to other people in the kingdom of God and not taking advantage of people for my own self? What is it? God's not going to ask you necessarily to do things that you are virtually incapable of doing physically when he came to Peter, what did he tell Peter? What was Peter doing? Peter, Peter was not a tax collector. What was Peter? He was what? He was a fisherman. So when he cast those nets and they caught that great catch that day, when they bowed to him and said, You have to be the Son of God, what did Jesus tell him? Come follow me and I'll make you what? Fisherman. I'll make you a fisher of men. You see, God used him in what he, what he was, in his personality, in his person, of what he was good at and what he did for a living and then turned it around and now sent him out to be a fisher of men. Now he's using Matthew and what he was good at and what he kept records of. Now he's using him to pen a, a gospel of the eyewitness account and the work and the wonders of him who rescued him from his life. Amen. You know what you're capable of doing. Now, you don't want to do it in your own strength, whatever that is. We need God's touch on it. Amen. Amen. We need God filling us up. So what is it? Am I good with people? Not everybody is good with people as some people are. Not everybody uh, has the gift of mercy like some people do. Not everybody has the gift of prayer and intercession like other people do. Not everybody has the calling or the gift to communicate and preach and teach. Not everybody has a teaching gift. That's okay. You don't have to have all that to serve the King. Amen? But He has given you something. And you have been equipped with something. And it's something that you can do. It's something that most likely you'll enjoy doing. And it's something that God can use to bring praise and glory to His name. And I think that he took Levi and he took this old boy who was joined to the Roman Empire in such a radical difference in his life that Levi, based on that statement in Matthew chapter 9, Levi became a gift. He became a gift of God. To a people for whom he used to gouge. To a people whom he used to take from. A people who he used to fill up his coffers and build his kingdom. Now he's a gift of God. He's a gift of God's mercy. That God was putting back in the life of that community. Go back to Matthew chapter 9. Let's look at chapter 9 verse number 9. Let's see. Chapter 9. Matthew 9. Look, if you would, in verse number 12. In Levi's record of Jesus, he doesn't mention that his name was Levi. He doesn't mention his father Alphaeus. He just mentions his name as Matthew, who was called Matthew. Matthew. Verse 12 says, And when Jesus heard the Pharisees and the scribes, he says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I want you to go. Go and learn this what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That comes out of Hosea. So turn to Hosea chapter number six. Older Testament book. Go to Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. You'll come to Hosea. Hosea 6. In verse number 6. Verse 6 of Hosea 6 says, For I, God, for which Jesus said He was, for I, God, desire mercy and not sacrifice, and I desire the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. You know, basically, what we find in this is right here is exactly what Jesus taught us. It is better to give than what? Receive. To receive. That is a pattern we find throughout the Scriptures. That's a pattern we find in the Word. That's a pattern we find in the life of Jesus. It's a pattern that we find in the teaching. Of the book of Acts, it is better to give than receive. And God would desire, He desires or delights in giving mercy than actually receiving a sacrifice from us. He desires that we seek the knowledge of God more than we bring Him a burnt offering. In Psalm 51, David recognized that. He said, God, if you desire to burn offering, I'd bring it to you. If you desire a sacrifice, I'd bring it to you. But that's not what you desire. What you desire is a broken and contrite spirit. You see, it's in the broken and contrite spirit that God pours His mercy out upon. That He gives mercy. And when He came to Levi, in that office of a publican, a tax collector, who wasn't looking for Jesus, Jesus came and found him. And He told him to come follow Him and He left all, rose up and followed after him. And from there on, Levi saw his name as Matthew, who was a gift from God because what did he he receive from God? He received what? He received a gift of mercy from God. And you know those sinners that he invited over to his house at that great feast for Jesus, you know what he was wanting? He was was wanting them to receive what they needed. What did they need? They needed God's mercy as well sacrifices wasn't going, wasn't going to cut it. Burnt offerings ain't going to cut it. Matter of fact, it is better to give than receive, and that's how God operates. He would rather grant us mercy, give us mercy. And when He gives us mercy, you know what happens in our life? We become a gift. Amen. We receive that gift of His grace and mercy, and then we become a gift to, that, to those that God puts us in this life along with. And that, I, I believe, while He Himself... Matthew, Levi began to say that my name is called Matthew. I'm known as Matthew now. Not Levi anymore, but Matthew. Why? I once was joined to a a false system, a a corrupt system, but I received the mercy of God and now I've become a gift of God to those that He has sent me to. And man, what a radical radical way of thinking, Amen. amen. It changed him. The grace of God changed the man from a rebellious sinner to somebody who opened up his heart to Jesus, opened up his home to Jesus, opened up his hand to Jesus, and said, take whatever's mine and use me. Use me, however you want to do it. Amen? Amen. And that's just how God's mercy works. God would rather us seeking His mercy and seeking knowledge from Him than us bringing a sacrifice or an offering to Him. Matter of fact, turn to Proverbs. Go to Proverbs chapter number, I think it's 21, Proverbs 21, maybe. Proverbs 21, 21. Go back past Isaiah. You'll come to Proverbs. What's Proverbs 2121 21 say? He who follows righteousness. You could just say he who follows God's way. To follow God's way, you gotta follow what? He who follows righteousness and mercy. mercy. There's no way we can follow God's way without God's mercy. We need mercy. He who follows after God's way and mercy, what do they find? They find life, they find righteousness, and they find honor. Matthew was following after God's way and mercy. What did he find? He found life. In Jesus, he found righteousness in Jesus. Look in Proverbs twenty-one. Look in verse number three. Twenty-one three says to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than a what? To right. follow God's way and to show mercy. It's better than a sacrifice. Amen. You know, when you follow God's way, you know what we need when we follow in God's way? We need mercy for when we don't hit God's way. Not only to follow God's way do we need mercy, but when we stumble in following after God's way, what do we need? We need mercy. We need mercy. So when I'm following after God's way and I stumble... I need God's mercy. So that means my neighbor, when they are following after God's way or they're not following after God's way, what do they need to get on God's way? They need what? They need mercy. And when they walk in with God and they stumble, what do they need? So to do God's way is always better than a sacrifice. That's basically saying this, it's better to do and walk in God's way and seek God's mercy for when you stumble in God's way than it is to give something back to God. And He wants us to help other people walk in God's way. And He wants to see us giving out His mercy. And when we walk in in His way and giving out His mercy, and that's exactly what Matthew did because God changed him. That's why he told those Pharisees, y'all need a lesson. Y'all need to go learn something. Y'all not showing any kind of mercy. All y'all doing is condemning them. And wondering why he is sitting and eating with sinners. Jesus said, I didn't come for those that didn't need a healer. Amen. I come from those that needed my mercy. When you go to the doctor, Keith, when you cut your hand, did you think you was gonna be able to get by without going to see a doctor? You knew. first, I thought I would. Initially, you figured you'd just patch it up with a little butterfly bandage and go on about your business. But it didn't take you that long to figure out that this ain't gonna be a quick fix, huh? What'd your wife say when you got home? When I was a kid, I did everything I could to stay away from the doctor when I cut something. I didn't want to go to the doctor. I always had this idea, and I wasn't afraid of shots like Davin. Davin, you afraid of shots? Is he afraid of shots, Sandy? So if you give Davin a shot, you need to give it to him while he's sleeping, right? I was never afraid of shots. Shots didn't really bother me. But what I didn't want, I didn't want him to give me a shot in my cut. I had this idea that when you got stitches, they was gonna have they numbed it and they gave you a shot in the cut. Am I right? Is that what they do around the cut? Yeah. I never wanted to get shots in my cut. Man, I'd have toes about hanging off, and I'd do everything I could to figure out. You know, j- going swimming in the creek, jumping in the creek, and a glass bottle cut you under your toe on your foot. Well, I had cuts my my under my feet on the side of my feet. I had bike. Pedals go into my feet, you know, racing other boys on bikes, and you're going through tight places, and you get in there, and you're barefooted as a yard dog, and those pedals hit you. I mean, they're cuts running away from dogs in a yard I wasn't supposed to be in, and the dogs went to chasing me, so you're bailing over the fence, and when you bail over the fence, the old barbed wire catches you under your arm or on your leg. I had all that, and I would never go get a stitch i wasn't going to get no stitch and at one time i cut this hand you see that right there it's still scarred and it was a bad cut i know i tell you what i was holding a stain bottle i was going to stain a gun and my daddy told me not to fool with it because the weather was too cool it was too cool outside that the, that the stain wasn't going to dry but i was determined that I was going to do it, that I had it figured out. And he kept telling me, don't fool with it, boy. It's not going to dry. You don't need to mess with it. But you know how you're stubborn and you got in your head that you can do it? And I was wanting to try it out. Well, I got that old stain bottle and the cap was stuck on it. So I'm 12 years old and I'm dogging down on that cap. And when I did, the bottle broke in half. Just Spun. And when I looked down, I could see all those ligaments and everything that were cut and blood vessels before the blood came up. I watched it come on up. You know what I'm talking about? It, anybody ever seen that before? Before it starts coming I mean, it started coming up. I grabbed my hand, went inside, put it under the faucet. I, I knew then, I said, "Oh man, it's going to be my first stitches." Mama come in there and said, "What well, you did? Blood going everywhere." It was on a Saturday. They loaded me up. We took off to go to the hospital. I, I don't know how I did it, but I talked my daddy out from going to the merchant room and told him just give me a little more time and see if it'll quit bleeding on its own, and we rode to Kmart in Mandeville. I can't believe I talked Bubby out of doing that, but I did. I talked him out of going. I just begged him, don't take me in there. I don't think I need to get it stitched. It's going to heal up on its own. Well, we went in Kmart, and while we were in Kmart in Mandeville, we came across a doctor that Daddy knew, and he let him look at it. And I asked him, I said, I really don't want to get stitches. And he said, do this, take an ace bandage, wrap it in the ace bandage, wrap it around and keep it clean so you don't bump it. And he said it eventually heal if you don't want to go get stitches. And it healed up eventually, but it still ain't all right in there, if you know what I mean. Well, I finally got stitches one day. I was working on a car. And anytime you work on something with wrenches, you know how that goes. I had a wrench slip, and it gashed me across the top of my finger. I was in the Navy, out here at the Navy base, and I went, um, went down there, and they convinced me that I needed to get stitches. I said, but y'all don't need to give me no shot. They said you're gonna want a shot. It's gonna help you out. It's gonna numb it up. I said no, just stitch it up. Well, I sat there and let them put about 12 holes in my hand, stitching it up. And I probably should have got a uh, by, about the third or fourth one. It went numb. You know what I mean? It done. But I felt the first, the first few, and they stitched it on up. But I still didn't get me a shot. I prevailed, and prayerfully, I won't have to get one in the future. And uh, but praise be unto God. Amen. How many of y'all need mercy? Come on. How many of y'all think you need mercy and somebody more mercy than somebody else? Now, how many of you think somebody needs more mercy than you? That's where some of you are at. And then we don't. Want, that's what these Pharisees—they thought everybody else was a lot worse than them, huh? But Jesus said, "Look, when you're sick, you go seek a physician." To repair those micro nerves in your thumb that you just sliced. Because you, you can't do that. How many, how many microsurgeons are there in Mississippi? Few, right? So you had to go where? You had to go where they are. You sought them for a specific need that you had to get that hand repaired. And Keith was telling us in Sunday school that he's glad he's still wearing that brace. That he bumped it last night. And if he had not had that brace on, whoo! Could have damaged it, right? Definitely would have hurt it. But think about it. There's a reason why them doctors told you to keep the brace on, right? Because one wrong move, all that work, you gotta go back in there and do it again. Danny Simon, how's it like to have a cat bite you on the finger? It ain't good, huh? So, Danny thought he was going to heal himself. Didn't need it, right? Went on down. Come on back. How many surgeries did you wind up having? Two? And that thing still won't straighten up, huh? Son, that was a bad cat. You needed help, you needed a physician, you needed somebody. You see, when we need help, we go to those that can help us. And a sin-sick sinner needs help, and there's only one person that can help you with that. And that's the mercy giver. Amen? And he would rather give mercy than us give a sacrifice without his mercy. See, that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were good at bringing a sacrifice, but they, were, they, they didn't seek his mercy. And a sacrifice, there's only one sacrifice that prevails in our life, and that's the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Amen. And it was that sacrifice that makes His mercy available to us. And He would rather give than to receive. Need to get out there and go share His mercy with other people. Amen. They need it just like you needed it and still need it today. And a most fitting place, the book of Hosea, to tell us that God wants to give us mercy. You remember, uh, you remember uh, Hosea's wife? What was her name? Gomer. Gomer. What was Gomer? Prostitute. She was a prostitute. God told him to go marry a prostitute, knowing in full advance that she was not going to stay with him, that she would leave him and she would leave her children too. But you know what God did? He told Hosea to what? Go buy her again. Go get her. Go get her again. You know why? God wants to grant us mercy. We don't deserve it. But He wants to grant it. Amen. Amen. Mercy. You know, she went from just being uh, his prostitute. After that second time He went after and gathered her and bought her again and brought her back, she realized that He loved her. And it wasn't just somebody who was paying for her anymore. She was loved by him. And she became his wife. And that's what God does for us. That when we realize he's just not our God, he's our redeemer. He paid a price for us because he loves us. And that he is our king. And we belong to him. He's granted us much mercy. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. You know, the scripture says a good way to know that you fear God is that you are anticipating or hoping for his mercy when you're living on his mercy you can rest assured you're walking in the fear of the Lord amen Amen. Psalm 147 11 and Psalm uh, 33 18 walking in his mercy alright God's good and he's good all the time Keith would you close with a word of prayer